0: Get it, Radical the a commerce, you want to test AB on your PDP, pump up the AOV and your B2C, do the 301, avoid the 404, boost your SEO, get people to the store, got the latest stack, headless, you react, you want that seamless customer experience attack? live shopping, social, set up your syndication, be relevant, that's our recommendation. Radically Smarter Commerce is a podcast presented by Aptus with a focus on smarter commerce and merchandising and we will talk about trends, new technology and the importance of being relevant
1: We will do this by interviewing exciting guests to be inspired by their success stories and insights
0: And we that are your hosts is Thomas Sjöberg
1: and Frida Olsson
0: All right Time for a new episode of the podcast, and we have actually had a little bit of a break—not in releasing the episodes, but recording them, Frida. So uh, here we are again.
1: Here we are again, and I'm uh, yeah. I, I don't know if I say it's nice to be back, but that's how it feels—like <laughs> first day at school again.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this time we have a thought leader in the e-commerce business uh, as a guest. So it's. Um, Kelly, the CPO at uh, Commerce Tools, and today we're going to explore things like headless commerce. So, Frida, is that something that you uh, spend your days thinking about?
1: No, but maybe I should <laughs> after this talk. <laughs> no, but that is is—it is really interesting because, I mean, you hear it a lot, uh, of course, uh, during daily business and our work and, and talking with our with customers. So, I mean, it is a it's a trend word, oh, so to speak. But uh, for me, it's quite difficult as a not, non-technical person to understand what is the word actually mean. Yeah. Uh, not for a p- person who... I don't know, throw it around, but for the people actually working and invented it.
0: Yeah, and I think we were talking a bit of similar things when we talked uh, with Mikael at HM because they are shifting into that kind of architecture and microservices, and we, we, we will talk more about this in this episode. And... Well, even if I feel that I know some of what it means and how it's all connected, uh, I have a lot of questions and I'm super excited to get the chance to talk to Kelly. Um, So, um, And I hope you guys out there are too. So um, join us now when we dive down into the Headless Commerce space. Today, we are very honored to have Kelly Gage, the CPO at Commerce Tools, co-founder and president of the Mac Alliance, podcast co-host at Commerce Tomorrow, and an author of four books about modern commerce. So welcome, Kelly, to the Radically Smarter Commerce podcast. Thanks for having me. And uh, today, we're going to talk a lot about headless commerce and modern commerce and, and all of that. And uh, we're really looking forward to dive into this.
2: Likewise.
1: Yeah, you got a great, uh, impressive CV, I can see. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more how you, how you ended up where you are now.
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a long, convoluted path. Um, I started my career with ATG, actually. So back when I was in university, my very first year, I was looking for a summer job. And I had done web development before that.
0: So if you're not familiar with ATG, what is that?
2: Uh, Sorry, ATG was the leading commerce platform back in the 90s and 2000s, which was later purchased uh, by Oracle, where it has died a slow, painful death the past 10 years. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was great because uh, my very first job was to convert uh, Photoshop images uh, to HTML. And then from HTML, I started building JSPs and kind of worked my way up the stack and uh, pretty quickly became an architect with ATG. And I did, I don't know, 30 something implementations of ATG around the world. So it was a a great formative uh, first couple years of my career uh, bouncing around and getting all of these big retailers and brands live for the first time with their e-commerce platforms. Um, but then my wife and I had a child, which was great, you know, something that we had been, um, you know, hoping for for a while, but it meant I couldn't travel all the time, you know, every single day of the week, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be home. Um, so I took a job with Oracle as a product manager and uh, had a great mentor there, really learned a lot. And I was product manager for um, Java Cloud Service, Application Container Cloud Service, Exologic. But my last year there, uh, which got me really excited, was uh, microservices. So I led microservices for Oracle, and that was fantastic. I really, really intellectually liked microservices.
0: And to stop you there, uh, microservices, if we would go and just very short, talk about what that means.
2: Um, Microservices are small little applications that do one thing and one thing really well. So the old school way was to have a big application with five or 10 million lines of code And all the developers would work in that same code base. And anytime somebody touched one part of that code base, the whole thing had to be retested because you don't know what else broke. (laughs) Okay. With microservices, um, which really came out of cloud, you have small applications. So you might have a team of five or six or seven people and they build and expose an API that does one thing. So you might have a team that just does inventory or just does pricing and then they expose that API to the rest of the enterprise, and anybody can consume that as the single source of data for that business function. And businesses are, are rapidly adopting this. Amazon has famously adopted this years ago; they actually kind of invented the concept. But lots of big organizations out there are adopting this. Okay. Um, but but I was looking for I wanted to get back into commerce at this point, so I had experience with commerce. I had experience with cloud. I had experience with microservices and I ended up Googling commerce cloud and microservices. And at the time eight of the top 10 search results came back commerce tools. Mm -hmm. And I thought, who the hell are these guys? You know, this (laughs) is a small German company, very, very aligned in, in our, in my, my thinking of, you know, if I were to have built this, this is exactly what I would have built. Um, And this was back in 2016. So this was, you know, this was a while ago before headless was even really a term and I ended up meeting um, Dirk the CEO we had uh, coffee which turned into uh, a dinner and that turned into drinks and more drinks and <laughs> more drinks and <laughs> <laughs> and here you are
1: the german way <laughs>
2: it turns out we see the world in a very similar way you know he really invented headless commerce back in 2013 and um, you know this is it's it makes perfect sense what he did oh. so i've been cpo now for four and a half years or so
0: cool so what did you do do you pick up the phone and gave them a call or did you go there or how did you get in contact with commerce tools
2: um i actually went to linkedin and i searched for it and the head of the u.s group so i'm not part of the u.s um but the head of the u.s group um has we had 126 connections in common something like that and I okay so i just dropped him a, i connected and i dropped him a note and said hey uh you know i'd love to chat and uh he actually sent, uh, uh, he asked me to speak at the partner day. So this is the very first partner day that they ever held. Cool. And then, uh, he said, you, you should really talk to our CEO. So he connected us and then kind of bowed out.
1: Hmm, fantastic story. Um, well, I must admit, I mean, this, this is a completely new area for me. So I, I googled uh, headless commerce uh, before I talk here uh, as well. And it seemed very technical. And like when I don't understand things, I normally ask, can you explain it uh, as you would like to explain for your parents? But I can be honest here and say, can you explain it to me?
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs>
1: what, what, what is it? <laughs>
2: um, it actually makes a ridiculous amount of sense. So before headless commerce, the commerce platforms had all of the front-end code in the platform. So if you wanted to touch a, a page layout, or if you wanted to uh, move some text around, or if you wanted to move the add to cart button placement on a page, it was one gigantic ball of code. So you'd have to test the entire front-end and the entire back-end. And the front-end, by the way, is what you as a customer interact with. So that's the the website, that's the mobile app, that's the, you know, Internet of Things button, you know, that's the interface, that's the front end. And before this, they were all, it was one gigantic um, intertwined ball of code. So, again, you, you, Best Buy, there was a very famous case study of them wanting to move the Add to Cart button from the left side of the page to the right side of the page. And it took them more than a year and it took them more than a million dollars to make that one change. whoa, because anytime you touch anything, you have to retest the entire application because you don't know you don't know who touched what or what broke or anything of that sort. So it's really it's it was a terrible situation. and I personally remember having to get tickets to you know right before go live. I'd get a ticket to you know move a you know an image over a few pixels. And I always thought just, you know, how ridiculous is this? You know, like I'm an architect. I shouldn't have to do this. This is stupid, right? Business users should be able to move stuff around. Business users should be able to manage the content. And organizations exclusively relied on IT. Everything was a ticket, everything. And if you needed to do something simple like capture the customer's birth date or maybe capture the customer's shoe size, that was a change that could take months and months and months. That was horrible. It was really a, a poor situation when you had IT controlling everything. And the challenge there is you had to go across all of these different teams. So the ticket would come in, you would have the database team, they'd have to create the column in the database to capture the data. And then you'd have to update the, you know, the data storage, the object relational mapping system. And then you have to write the back end code and then you have to write all the front end code and then you had to test it. And, you know, that could take six months to do something stupid like that. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, Headless commerce is is a completely different approach, where the backend, the actual source code, the you know the 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 code that's offering up the data and the functionality, that exposes its data and functionality over an API. So there's a very clear interface there, where the backend, in this case, commerce tools, you know, or you can have custom backends as well. They expose the products and the categories and the um, order objects and everything. It's all done through that API, through that interface. And then what's nice about Headless is now you can have multiple front-end teams all working independently in parallel. So you can have, we have customers like this. They have five different front-end teams. Each of those teams is deploying to production all the time. And the back-end teams are also making changes. So now you have the back-end with microservices, a bunch of different APIs. Each of those teams is making changes. And then you have the front-end teams, each of those able to make changes as well. So it dramatically accelerates the rate of, of change. And it does so in a way that allows individual teams to innovate and not break stuff.
0: Okay. So if you have all of these teams, both front-end and back-ends that are, are doing a lot of things, how do you know what's available for you? Um, what kind of functionality that you can use as a front-end developer?
2: Um, the simple way is uh, you just publish a registry of the different APIs that are available. right? And Across the organization, you say, I'm going to force all of my microservice teams to support RAML or OpenAPI or whatever it happens to be is the spec. And then you have like a registry basically of all the different APIs that you can call. And it becomes pretty easy to figure out what they do. That's a simple approach. A more advanced approach, which actually most of our customers at Commerce Tools are now doing is to use GraphQL. And GraphQL is uh, it's graph query language. And it was something actually invented by Facebook in 2015. And it's really emerged in the past couple of years as the standard, but it's basically a query language for your APIs. And what's nice about GraphQL is as a front end developer, let's say you're building the product detail page, right? You're getting data from all sorts of different APIs. With GraphQL, you can issue a query that says, I would like for this product, the name, the, dis- the description, the price, the inventory, the status, whether I can add it to my shopping cart, right? And you can go through in, in great detail and get all sorts of information. You make that one request, and then you get everything back um, through GraphQL. But what's nice about GraphQL um, is it's, it's, it supports um, introspection and autocomplete. And through any GraphQL IDE, Sorry, I'm getting too technical.
0: No, it's fine.
2: You can very easily figure out what is available through the GraphQL schema because you can introspect the schema.
0: Okay, because that's where I'm going. So as a front-end developer, how do I know what's available for me uh, in my GraphQL queries? How do I know what kind of attributes or what kind of data that I can get on my product detail page?
2: Well, it introspects. So what's nice about that is using an IDE, you can... It's, it's just like when you're writing Java code through an IDE, right? Like... You can click object dot, and it'll show up all the available methods. It's the same thing with GraphQL. Okay. You can say product dot, and it'll pop up all the available fields that you can then consume.
0: Cool. And just to take that abbreviation as well, an IDE is?
2: An integrated developer environment. It's a console that you can use to write code
0: absolutely so it's kind of your code editor code editor yes yeah exactly okay great so we have talked about headless and i know that um, you guys sort of created that term in 2013 or or that concept and uh, you hear it quite often but now also there is other types of of words you talk about composable commerce and modern commerce is is all of this the same would you say or Is there different flavors to this?
2: Uh, Boy, how long do we have? (laughs) Um, Let's see. Composable commerce is something that Gartner came up with. Okay. And it allows you to compose the commerce experience from different vendors. So it's similar to microservices and headless. So there the model is, I'm going to go to commerce tools I'm going to go to Aptus. I'm going to go to, you know, pick your vendor, you know, content stack. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to get different functionality from different vendors. And with modern SaaS software, you can absolutely do that. It's really, really easy these days to compose a commerce experience from many different vendors
0: yeah and some of those vendors could be headless and uh, some some could be other things that you plug into that uh, that has yeah front fronts
2: but it's a it's a more general term it's it's be a bit a little bit more business user focused
0: yeah because headless is quite technical right headless can seem a little bit technical uh, is that a problem
2: um it is and we're we're working on that actually so
0: okay what's your big plan <laughs>
2: uh, well first i, I think and I've told Dirk this, I think it was a mistake to call headless headless because it just sounds so cruel. Like, you know, like when you think of headless, you think of something gruesome and, you know, <laughs> um, you're also defining it as a negation. So, it's the lack of a head right absolutely and that is kind of an awkward term to say that something is the absence of something else <laughs> you know
0: yeah because when you think about it you buy a headless solution okay i don't get the head but what do i get instead i mean yes. what am i buying here
2: dirk is a is a developer at heart we're all developers at heart at commerce tools you know actual developers so I, you know marketing is not our strong But what we're working on, we've been working on it for years. I wrote a a book on headless commerce. Um, That helps out quite a bit. I write, I speak a lot. Um, I also co-founded the Mock Alliance. And Mock Alliance stands for um, M for microservices, um, A for API first, C for cloud native multi-tenant SaaS, and H for headless. So the H is right there in Mock. And through this consortium, we have 23 vendors. Um, we actually have five more being announced in the next two weeks. Um, and we're all contributing to thought leadership topics. So we have all sorts of webinars, content, everything to help demystify Mach mock to a business audience.
0: Okay so we established that you know we cut the head off but what is typically the things that are left if if a, a company buys commerce tools what do they get in the package so to speak
2: i don't even know that i would call it a package per se and we've actually had long internal debates of do we even call ourselves a platform anymore
0: so what do you call yourself
2: well we agreed we're still going to call ourselves a platform okay only because that's what people know and it's, sorry to get off on a tangent um It's actually pretty funny within commerce tools um the europeans and the americans we all get along super well and there have never been any divisions at all like we've been remarkably harmonious the one thing that we disagree on strongly the germans love the term platform (laughs) they love it
0: okay yeah
2: in germany platform is seen as a good thing but it's funny the americans every single one in the company you know, we all uh, provided input and voted and everything. Americans hate the term. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so funny. That's really the only cultural difference we've really been able to, you know, spot just how much we differ on that view of the term the, or platform.
0: Yeah, a funny story here. I don't know if you know the, the Swedish entrepreneur Jonas Birjason that had a Framfab at the year 2000, the largest internet consultancy here in the Nordics. Do you know him?
2: Uh, I think I've heard the name, but I don't know.
0: Yeah, he was also called the Broadband Jesus, and he (laughs) did a lot for for internet here. He was in a Hallie uh, sort of fleece uh, sweater all the time, Uh, a real character. And I've heard a story where he's at one of the largest companies in Sweden, Tetra Pak. They had for multiple years been working on an IT platform. And now Jonas Biersson was invited to, to speak to the management team. And uh, so in the end of, of the talk, one person raised his hand and asked Jonas, uh, what's your view on platforms? And uh, he had a pause and then he said, I don't know a lot about platforms besides that. That's the only thing left when the train leaves the station. <laughs> and uh, I know that a guy in the audience there, he, then he decided that I'm gonna quit my job at Tetra Pak and I'm gonna start working for that guy.
2: Wow. Do you mind if I use that quote? I'd love to use that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So uh, <laughs>
2: could you send me his name? I'd love to have his name. Either.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna send you, a, he's actually living here in Lund where I live also. So he's living like, yeah, I don't know, 400 meters from where I live, something like that. Oh wow. In between my house and Aptos uh, head office, actually, if we're gonna go mm-hmm. into detail.
2: So to answer your question, when you get commerce tools, you get a library of 300 independently consumable APIs. So you get that, and then you can choose uh, GraphQL or REST to consume the functionality or SDKs. Um, And then we have business user tooling, which is called our Merchant Center. And that's where business users log in to manage products and everything you would need to run your storefront.
0: Okay, so as a business user, uh, I go into your solution and I manage my product data. What other kinds of operations is a a common business user doing in your interfaces
2: Um, it's primarily product catalog management but it's also things like pricing Um, some people set inventory levels manually um, promotions and discounts coupons things like that Um, they'll manage the orders um, the customer records those types of things what we don't do is the content we don't do layout um, but what we do is the actual source data that you're working with in e-commerce
0: Okay, and 300 APIs sounds like an awful lot. So uh, I can't uh, even from the top of my head uh, just see in front of me what all of those APIs are are doing. So can you give us some uh, examples?
2: Sure. Um, So there's a product API where you can retrieve a product. Um, There's a price API where you can retrieve a price. There's an API to set the price. There's a, a shopping cart API all of those uh, little pieces of functionality. And it really goes back to the name of our company. We are Commerce Tools, right? We're we're tools. Um, and each one of those APIs can be consumed independently in the same way that when you log into AWS or GCP or Azure, you have this big library of things that you can build on top of for your application.
0: Okay. Yeah, so that was four. So what's the next 296? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, there's a lot of functionality there. Um, commerce is complicated, but you know, we're, we're very aligned with cloud and a talk I give a lot is titled if Amazon, Microsoft, or Google built a commerce platform and put it in their clouds, what would it look like? And it would look very, very similar to what we've built. You know, we're a first class citizen of cloud. We're not a platform an island on top of cloud, if that makes sense.
1: So what would you say would be the top benefits for your customers?
2: Um, I think the first is that we're headless, so you can build many different experiences for many different customers and many different devices. Um, And what's nice about that is you have this collection of APIs. You probably build some of your own APIs as well. And you can then take that to an agency and say, you know, hey, there's this uh, crazy new um, Android phone out. We'd like to create an experience for this specific device. And you can hand them your APIs and say, go build this for me. And now you can have a completely independent agency go out and build an entire front end for you. And before, this just wasn't possible, right? Because the front end was commingled with the back end. So having that release velocity is really, really important um, and that flexibility. Um, the second benefit is, uh, is the flexibility. So we regularly tell our customers, if a piece of our functionality doesn't meet your needs don't use it (laughs) okay (laughs) and that's actually kind of a revolutionary thing you know if you look at a lot of our competitors like if you don't like how they do their pricing that's too bad you have to use their pricing system we tell our customers all the time if you don't like our pricing build your own pricing microservice that's fine we don't care and what this allows for is um you to build your uh build where you differentiate as a business and buy everything else off the shelf from us. It's a nice way of of having that flexibility and really being able to deliver some differentiation to your customers. And the third benefit is we're multi-tenant SaaS. So we're software as a service. And what's nice about that is you can go to commercetools.com right now, um, click on create a trial and you can get a full featured production trial right now. And that's 60 days. And then when you sign up to become a customer, you can create all the projects you want. Those projects are created instantaneously. Like you don't have to call us as a vendor and say, you know, hey, Commerce Tools, we need uh, five QA environments spun up and they have to be this size. Like that just doesn't exist in our world. Instead, you as the customer can call an API and get a project created or you can create it through our, our UI tooling becomes really really easy to go out and create projects very quickly
1: hmm. would you say you're suitable for all segments and all kind of companies or
2: no <laughs> <laughs> um, we sell to larger enterprises oh, okay um, so the larger our larger customers do two or three billion a year online in revenue and at that end of the market they're choosing between um, building from scratch or buying us so customers like john lewis for example. You know, they ended up buying us. at and they ended up buying us. Um, Ulta Beauty does $3.5 billion a year online. They bought us. That's the segment of the market, the end of the market, where people are building or buying. And in most cases, they choose us, which is great. Um, and then a normal size customer for us does maybe $500 million a year online. And then we'll go down market to maybe $100 million a year online. But below that, people really want a website in a box. And I think Shopify or Magento or Salesforce, that's a better end of the market for them because they want they want an all-in-one website in a box. They want to be able to visually change their layouts really easily, Like headless commerce does require some technical competency. There are a lot of benefits, but like they want everything just to work out of the box perfectly.
0: So do you think Adobe and Salesforce sees this the same way that they are better suited for uh, the smaller companies and not the enterprises or?
2: They do not see it that way. But if you look at the analyst ratings and if you look at where customers are buying and if you look at all the deals we're winning from them, I think the market is showing that people want us. Um. lower end of the market's fine that's great they can have that um that that middle and upper enterprise is really where we play and if you look at all of the deals we're winning against them um and from them um i think we're in in good shape
0: yeah and and right now you have a a really good position in the market you were um the clear leader in the in the gartner medic quadrant uh, in the area But uh, I mean, you're not the only company that talks about that they are headless. I mean, even the companies that we're talking about now with Salesforce and Adobe and a lot of other platforms says that they also are headless and they can also provide you with API solutions. So what do you say about that?
2: Um, We actually ran a marketing campaign at Commerce Tools and we called it Fake New. (laughs) Instead (laughs) of Fake News, is your commerce platform Fake New? (laughs) Because a lot of these vendors are claiming to be Um, modern and API first when they're not so these and again these nice people you know I have a lot of relationships over there but from a technology standpoint you can't take an old platform that was built 20 years ago and then throw some APIs on top of it and then pretend that it's API first right we at Commerce Tools invented headless commerce we were always API first and when you build APIs first and then you write the code behind the APIs the APIs become much easier to consume.
0: Yeah. It's like when I worked for InRiver. I mean, everyone wanted to say that they were a PIM. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> even even commerce tools. So, uh, I mean, and they're also an argument about what PIM was and what you could expect from a PIM, right?
2: No, that's true. There's a lot of um, ambiguity out there. But what's what we've done at Commerce Tools um, is along with Content Stack and Ampliance and EPAM and Vault is the Mock Alliance. So we were the founding members of that. And the whole purpose of the alliance is to say definitively, these vendors are mock certified and they adhere to mock principles. These other vendors do not.
0: Yeah. So it's a lot about educating the market. Yeah. Education. Exactly. Well,
2: and it's nice because now when we have a, a competitor of ours, you know, somebody like, you know, SAP Hybris will come and say that they're multi-tenant SaaS and they're API first. And now we can ask them, we'll say, well, why aren't they part of the mock alliance then? And then it puts them on the defensive where they now have to explain why they're not part of something that everybody else is part of. It's a way that um, less sophisticated buyers, people who are not living in the market every day like I am and you guys are, that they can make sense of this and say, all right, this vendor is mock certified. And that means something. This vendor is not. And um, it's a really nice way of differentiating there.
0: Absolutely. So the Mac Alliance could... Could maybe be a good name for a hip-hop collective. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I know that you said before we did that we, we haven't done any preparations before because you said, well, I'm doing this a lot, so uh, let's just do it. <laughs> and what you don't know is that we ask every guest on the podcast what their rapper name would be if they were into hip-hop because we have a hip-hop theme of the podcast so what would your rapper name be
2: oh this is an easy one um i'm kelly g <laughs> you know like like LG, but kelly g
0: like K- kenny g it sounds smooth
2: i like kenny g <laughs> <laughs> no
0: but LG. yeah i like that good Maybe we can do a co-op someday. I don't know. do you do you do any music? no i
2: I appreciate music, but you know what? I know myself enough to know that I'm not talented with music. I much prefer just to consume it
0: So one thing that I've thought about is. If you choose the headless way as a customer, is it harder for you as a buyer to know how you should compose the stack of different solutions? I mean, you need a, a headless e-com, and then you need something for the CMS part of it, and then there are headless CMSs. So now you have two headless systems, and then you need other components also to go with this. So how can you as a buyer you know, figure all of this out?
2: Um, many of our buyers uh, either bring in a third-party consultant or they bring in a systems integrator and that organization, we have really a lot of good partners and they can very easily build a stack. In many cases, people don't swap out everything all at once. Instead, they'll maybe have, you know, Adobe experience manager, but they'll need a new commerce platform behind it, for example. Mm. So they'll just swap out the commerce and then later they'll do search. And then, you know, so they'll go piecemeal over time it's not very often that somebody has a greenfield deployment and they don't know what they're doing yet.
0: Okay. One thing that surprised me because I listened to you in another podcast and I would encourage everyone, if you want to uh, hear more with Kelly, which I know you will, then you should go to listennotes.com because there you can search for a name, for instance, and you will get the result with all the podcasts that uh, that person have been on. So that's what I did as a preparation here. But you said that Uh, We don't sell commerce tools if they haven't gone headless already. Correct. We do not. Or did I misunderstand you? Because I, I was confused by it. Because I thought they went headless when they purchased commerce tools. But what do you mean?
2: Many organizations are already headless. Okay. So they've decoupled the front end from the back end already. And then they're looking for a new platform. Because you can do headless with the legacy platforms. It's not very elegant. No, but in many cases they've already separated the two. That makes for a good prospect. If they haven't yet come to the realization and actually done the splitting of the front end from the back end, it's too much education, and it takes years for them to actually make that split. Okay, so they're likely not going to be interested in us they're going to take two or three years to separate the front end from the back end okay and there are so many good organizations out there There there's so many good companies that have already decoupled the two and need a new commerce platform that's where we sell
0: interesting i didn't know that but uh, now i learned that Cool. And as you say, I think um, the SIs and the consultants, they, they play a big part in this. And what we see in the market as well is that, you know, partners like we have Avencia that is a partner of ours that that built their stack based on, you know, best of breed solutions uh, like Commerce Tools, like Aptos, like Contentful and other players. Uh, and uh, yeah, a, lo- a lot of the SIs around are, are building that. Is there a risk that you, sort of get stuck in another type of monolith, not architecturally, but that you become very dependent on your SI because they are the ones that knows all of these different components.
2: Um, we don't really see that. so a lot of times they'll come in set it up and they'll do training to hand it off to use the customer. And in many cases, I would say at least 30 or 40 percent of our customers, they actually do the implementations themselves. Okay, And the reason is, is because when you're working with mock vendors, like commerce tools, you're working with APIs, Mm. right? APIs are really, really easy to consume. So any developer can pull a REST API off the shelf and start using it. So there's nothing that difficult about it. I think there is some expertise required in how to kind of stitch everything up together and what system you use for what. But that's not a lot of that's not a lot of work. It's a week-long workshop with somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: So is there good and bad APIs? Oh yeah, or is all API always good. So so what what uh, is the characters of a good API versus a bad?
2: Um, yeah, APIs can be awful. Um, a good API is is one that's clearly documented and it conforms to a specification. It allows you to work with individual objects as resources. It supports all the different HTTP verbs. So I'll give you an example of a good API versus bad. Um, a good API is something like slash product slash P12345 slash description. And that would return the description of the product if you were to call that API. Okay. Right. If you were to do an HTTP get on that, a bad API would be if you had to make a post to slash product and then you had to pass in the product name and then you got the whole product object back. Okay, so it gets complicated, but it's pretty easy these days to spot a a poorly written API. And there's actually a maturity model. It's called the Richardson maturity model, Um, and he goes from level zero all the way to level three in terms of API maturity.
0: And now, I mean, there is more and more best of breed systems within all kinds of aspects of commerce. So, do you have any good examples of you know small, very specific? APIs that you see that customers can make use of uh, as a part of their solution?
2: There's one startup that I saw is really cool. And I think there are probably more as well. They do one thing, you throw it a bunch of characters, and then you tell it what format you want the date back in. And it will try to parse that date for you.
0: Okay, so it's a date.
2: (laughs) That's literally all it does. Only does dates. But, you know, that is actually a really, really difficult problem. I mean, you could write a date a thousand different ways. And when you're trying to normalize data, you know, I'll I'll give you an example. In e-commerce, you want to know when the product was first available, right? And if you have products, if you have 10 million products in your product catalog, And each one of those products comes from a different manufacturer with a possibly different date format. You really want to normalize that data. So how do you normalize dates across 10 million products? You can run it through this API and it'll charge you per execution. And whatever crazy format, it will give you back a nice, concise date in the format that you've requested. And that's an example of something that's really stupid, but really important. Yeah. (laughs) You know, because you want to be able to normalize that data and display it and allow people to search on that data. And that helps drive conversions. But it's something that's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's a stupid problem, but it's a nonetheless a big problem out there. And these folks have done a great job of having an API that does one thing.
0: So how do you find these kinds of specialized solutions that, you know, could, could save you a lot of time? Well,
2: unfortunately, I had to Google that one.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish... Th- Thank God for Google.
2: Yes, right. Um, I actually wish that there, were, there was a discovery marketplace almost of APIs. Mm. It would be really great if you could go to some, you know, to be determined website and say, I want a date parsing API um, and then have it... Um, return all the different date parsing apis
0: but there is no universal like uh, solution around that for the moment or
2: there is not yet but i think as SaaS software continues to dominate i think somebody will create it i think maybe the closest is like g2 crowd if you're familiar with g2 yeah absolutely um but i think that they need to um, expand into apis more specifically
0: yeah i don't know how much they cover these smaller maybe one task uh, api solutions It to me, it feels like it's more like software comparison in, in a lot of different uh, categories. but
2: They need to get more granular.
0: Yeah, th- they might be the player. I mean, they have the muscles at least. So Yeah. Um, earlier today, I participated in an e-commerce lunch uh, in Clubhouse, uh, the new uh, very hyped social app. I told them that I'm going to talk to you uh, and I asked them if they had any questions. Um, There was a lot of smaller companies there, I mean Shopify users, so it wasn't that much. But I got one question at least. And the question was, is Headless still the shit in 10 years' time? Yes. Thanks. So my next question is... (laughs) (laughs) No,
2: let me explain why. Okay. There's no other way to do it. The only other way to do it would be to couple the front end and the back end together in one package, which... Every single trend in IT in the past 20 years has gone in the complete opposite direction.
0: But if you get a solution that, you know, you can just start with like Shopify, but then in some magic way, you can by dragging and dropping or pinching and uh, be totally flexible without having to deal with APIs and programming and and all of that, just paint with your fingers and create that unique customer experience.
2: (laughs) No, because the world today is an inherently multi-headed world. There are multiple front ends that you need. You need, at a minimum, mobile and web all the time. Okay. And there are new interfaces all over the place. There are voice interfaces, um, IoT interfaces. Um, you know, there are interfaces everywhere. So, it would not make sense to bind the backend and data and everything to only one interface.
1: So if you say like the, the headless is here to, to stay, uh, what would you say w- would be the next thing in the future when it comes to commerce? I
2: think we'll see more GraphQL adoption. Um, we're seeing lots of GraphQL these days. Um, we're actually hosting the world's largest GraphQL conference in September. So we're exciting excited to do that. And that'll be with a partner of ours, uh, GraphCMS. We're co-hosting and co-sponsoring it with them. Um, so that's one thing. I think the other thing is we're going to see a lot more serverless out there. Um, so rather than having microservices that are an actual stack that you have to manage, instead, I think we're going to see more serverless microservices where the platform is the cloud.
0: Okay. And do you think more commerce will be automated or or so compared to what we do today? Today we sit at the computer or we we use our mobile uh will our shopping behavior be different in a few years time do you think or is it further ahead
2: it'll be less friction okay so we're gonna see more commerce like i don't know if you saw yesterday twitter announced that they put um uh, shopping buttons into tweets so now you can buy um, directly from from tweets,
0: Yeah, and these kind of solutions, uh, social shopping, if you are doing Instagram or TikTok or, or wherever, is that something that you can connect also to your headless e-commerce platform?
2: Uh, yeah, so you need a headless platform there to consume that functionality.
0: Okay. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you would like uh, to h- highlight here in, in the show, Kelly?
2: You know, I... Uh, something that we're always on the lookout for is thoughts on how to make headless and the more nerdy stuff that we do more applicable to business users because a lot of business users just want a website in a box and it's been a challenge for us and we've been making good progress on it Um, but uh, you know it's actually quite difficult to uh, demonstrate that business value in a way that makes sense
0: okay cool so uh, what keeps you up at night
2: (laughs) um workwise or personally
0: well <laughs> you your choice uh, i was thinking workwise is is it something that you you um that you lose sleep over
2: i'm a pretty contented guy i don't really lose sleep over very much um
0: you're you're contentful if we're going to plug uh, uh, <laughs> my fear
2: is uh like amazon were to enter our business and offer a competitor to us um or I mean, that's really it. I mean, we're in a good spot. We regularly have discussions internally of, you know, how do we not screw this up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, which is a good spot to be in. And we're, you know, in a very good self-reinforcing flywheel right now. Yeah. Personally, what keeps me up is, uh, I've been running a lot and my feet are killing me. So I actually have foot pain at night because I've been over, over training and, uh, that actually literally does keep me up at night sometimes.
0: <laughs> okay, so Frida, you're the sporty one. Uh, among, I think you are leading the internal aptus challenge, right? Yeah. So, an, any pro advice from from the coach?
1: Well, I was leading. Uh, I was. Uh, I was to say. Actually, my colleague told me this morning you have to update because you because you're not you're losing your <laughs> your spot, <laughs> and I was like, no, but I haven't done an exercise this week. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I can't update. Um, no, but uh, I guess I actually built a home gym
2: yep i did that as well so we've got a full gym and yeah i'm all set
0: but cool Uh, thank you so much for being on the show kelly we are happy to follow your journey we're also super happy to be a partner with you guys and we see that um, there is really a lot to do in the market helping companies take advantage of of these um, these opportunities that are out there so um great having you Kelly and and see you around. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me. I appreciated the discussion. Good times.
1: To be up to date with podcast-related matters, please follow our LinkedIn page. And if you want to participate in discussions or recommend topics and guests, please join our Facebook group as well. Just search for Radically Smarter Commerce and you will find us. And of course, if you want to contact me or Thomas directly, you can always reach out on LinkedIn.
0: And you find this podcast on all platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and ACAST, as well as at RadicallySmarterCommerce.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review if you like the podcast it helps us to find new listeners and you can also follow aptus at linkedin instagram facebook and twitter see you in 2 weeks